Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The NFL season may be over, but that doesn't mean you have to stop betting. There's plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag, including their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. You only need $10 to enter, but be sure to do so before March 19th. You can also bet on the NBA, the NHL, my personal favorite, NFL draft props, and so much more. Head on over to betonline.ag today and put your sports knowledge to the test. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with you. Jamie, looking very on the Zoom here that we're doing this show, I can see the sunburn that he got from his trips to both Arizona and Miami last weekend. I can see it through the Zoom, Jamie. How much are you in pain? Because I can feel the pain through the Zoom call. I'm actually not in pain, but considering I haven't seen the sun in Chicago in a while, uh, it was a real shock to the system to go back-to-back weeks in Phoenix and in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, And especially in Fort Lauderdale, we're spending all day in the sun at the House of Athlete Combine event down there. So uh, it is – I missed a few spots, as you can tell, with the sunscreen. And I have this nice little ring around my scalp. Uh, If you've watched, like, the Avengers show on this side, I've got, like, the anti-Zuko. It doesn't go all the way down across my eye. (laughs) But, like, I've kind of got this thing – I've got this thing rolling here, so apparently I was inducted into the Fire Nation while I was down in Fort Lauderdale, but uh, it was a really awesome event, and I actually have a a guy that we're going to talk about today that I got to see up close and personal at that event, so it's going to be really interesting. Jamie, uh, let me let, into- hang on, Chris. Let me, let me ask you this, Jamie. Like, yeah. I love looking like we watch football all year, right? We watch a ton of college football, uh, then we start getting into the tape. How important is it to you, to you especially? Like, right? you see a guy, you like him on tape, you loved him when you were watching him live, and then you see him in person, and they give you just the warm and fuzzies as a draft pick of like, oh, this dude has that. And I know there was a couple guys down there. How important was it to you for you to see him? Like, missing the combine this year, I don't think it's being talked about enough of these guys being able to put their eyes on the player, right? These yeah. coaches, relationships with college coaches and the scouts, and the coaches in the NFL and their relationship with their own scouts, I think it's going to be more vital than ever. But how important was it for you to put your eyes on these guys? I mean, it was pretty important. I think it's the missing piece that we always talk about, especially this year where you're only, you know, some teams only play a limited number of games. And we all know college programs play games with height, weight, all that stuff. It's, it's all make-believe until you actually see it and get tested. But being down there and kind of be able to go, all right, here's what I think about the guy. Here's what I hear. Here's what the scouts are saying about him. And then watching him put those traits into action is huge. And getting in there, kind of getting to stand next to him, kind of seeing how they interact with their teammates, how they interact, how they prepare for these particular drills. You know, what tendencies do they do when they know people are watching them? Like there's all those things you can't really collect otherwise. So it's not, the, you know, tape is still the most important thing, but these are other key holes that you got to fill 
and just seeing how they interact with, whether it's media, with their coaching staff, do, are they listening? You know, if they're being coached up on a topic, do they make that change immediately or they do have to continue to be told to do the same things over That's and over again? That's a great again? point. I, like love, that, I love that is watching, uh, watching coaches. Brandon Marshall, yes. right? So you're, if you're a receiver and he's telling you, hey, do this on the next time, if, if it takes three or four times, that's a great thing to pay attention to. I know my dad is really interested this year. He's not a big combine guy. He loves seeing him. He loves talking to him, doing the interviews, because he, he asks him, you know, he, he gets pretty personal on oh, some yeah. of that stuff and gets in and gets to know him pretty well. But he loves putting his eyes on him. But he's not a big, like, okay, this guy wasn't a very good player, but he's a combine freak. He loves this style of draft where it's like the, the tape shines and you're drafting football players, not wingspan, hand width some of the stuff we all get enamored with. I, I love being able to go, okay, I love this player on tape. And then I see him at the senior bowl, walk into the hall of the hotel. Why mm-hmm. do you go, my God, there's something yeah. stands out like cabs or like hamstring or something. You're like, whoa. And then you see him the next day. I remember watching Mike Wallace at the senior bowl coming out of Ole Miss before we drafted him in Pittsburgh. And he just ran by everybody on every single drill. My dad wasn't down there that year. They were playing. And I'm like, hey, this dude at Ole Miss – it's an absolute freak. And then that translated to the NFL, like speed, certain times you just see things and go, wow, that's just different. And I think the other thing too of, and obviously we don't have the traditional combine this year, is seeing all the position groups next to each other. Because I think that can be the real separator because you're watching them all separately. They're the only quarterback on the field in their film. They're the only quarterback on the field in their pro day. Getting to kind of watch guys go back to back to back, you start to see where some of the separators are for the guys at the position. And I mean, there were some really good coaches down there too. They had, you know, Brandon Marshall was down there kind of emceeing the entire event. He is the founder and CEO of House of Athlete. You had Ryan Clark that was down there, Mo Wells, um, you know, Hugh Jackson was coaching up the quarterbacks. I mean, there were a lot, and that's just to name a few. I mean, there were a lot of NFL guys that were down there. So it was very interesting to kind of see who looked the part, who didn't. Uh, you know, who had success. Cause we had, we had some big, you know, combine moments. There were Brandon Smith, the Iowa receiver with, you know, 135 inch broad jump. Um, I mean, he, he was a monster. Yeah. So we saw that we saw Eric Stokes with the four, two, five, watched it with my own eyes, watched it, watched the laser systems. I was, I got, got to peek my head into where the computer system was until they told me to back up. I wasn't, I wasn't one of the coaches, but um, so there were, there were some really interesting things to, to learn there. Obviously, you probably shouldn't be making drastic changes unless you find out some character related item, but uh, it, it is good to see it's those missing pieces to kind of put those traits and kind of see them in person and kind of get an idea for, for game speed. Because if you're like me and most of you out there, even if, whether you're scouting or a fan, you probably haven't watched much live football in the last calendar year. You've watched a lot of it on TV, but because of restrictions, you probably haven't seen a lot of on field stuff. And to me, the big separator this year, and, and for me, is the guys that are staying in shape, the guys that are improving in this year, it says a lot about their character and their discipline. Yep. And I think if you, if you get to the draft and you, and you are comfortable with a player and they are improving throughout this offseason, they are staying disciplined, that is a huge plus because if there's any time, any year to lose focus, yeah. this is the easiest one. If they can get through this, they should be able to be a great pro. Yeah, Jamie, I was going to mention there that for a lot of scouts, this might be their first opportunity to have seen live football in a really long time, right? I mean, Senior Bowl was a little different this year. It's tough to get, you know, access to all of these games. So to be able to go down to Miami and potentially be able to see these guys in person, it was a big deal. So, all right, let's focus on what we are going to do here on the show today. As last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the rookies that are probably at the top of the fantasy class for this season. But Today, on the Monday edition of this show, let's talk about everybody's favorite word in fantasy, a good old sleeper. 
and we're going to look at rookie sleepers in both the running back and wide receiver positions. Both guys have come up with lists. The, each other don't know who's on everybody else's list. This is going to be just very off the cuff. We're going to react to these live. So, Jamie, we will start with you here. We will start with the running back position. What name would you like to start with here on your list of, of sleeper rookie running backs, either in redraft, in dynasty? It is your pick. What name you want to start with first? So let's start with a guy that you and I were talking about a little bit pre-show. Oh, and yes. It's a little bit cheating, but there's also a chance for almost a cheat code element here as of dual position eligibility. And you'll have to, it'll depend on your league. You have to check all your league rules and whatnot. Uh, but a player I was impressed with down in Mobile was Dimitri Felton. Uh, they're going to be operating him as more of a wide receiver, using him out of the slot. Uh, he basically ran the routes almost exclusively at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's a really good route runner, can do a lot of things well. If you're playing in PPR formats, if you have a potential wide receiver running back hybrid mix that you can move around your lineup, uh, if, as he gets the opportunity down the road, I don't think he's going to make, necessarily make a year one impact on anything but maybe special teams. But if you're looking down the road, he is somebody that could give you that you know, that wide receiver three, wide receiver four production, but from a running back spot, which then becomes incredibly valuable to you, especially if you're in a deeper league where you're playing multiple flex positions or you're playing more than two running backs on a given week in your dynasty format. He's someone to keep an eye on because if he's only receiver eligible, I'm not as high on him, but if he's got that dual eligibility or running back only, depending on whatever your league is going to be, he is somebody that I want to keep a really close eye on. I love him, Jamie. Here's, you know, it's another weird thing this year. Something we probably wouldn't have talked about five years ago, eight years ago, definitely 10 years ago, is lack of size. A lot of the guys we're going to talk about are not traditional sized guys at these positions anymore. The game is gone. I hate to say it's gone more college because it hasn't, because the college game is so damn simple. It's just cut off two quarters, two, you know, two thirds of the field and get a guy in space. The NFL is, has spaced out a little bit. But these smaller guys are being more successful. And guys like this that are a little undersized running back but can play in the slot, can move around, Kadarius Tony types, Amari Rogers types that was a running back when he came in, moved out there. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of these guys we talk about that are undersized. It's a weird year, but the NFL is kind of going that way. He's one of these guys. I really like ex explosive player in space, right? That's kind of like the theme of all of these guys, whether undersized or not. That's really the theme of the last couple of years to me of the guys being successful right away. Can they get off the line, and are they explosive in space? And, and Jamie, I think an interesting comp fantasy-wise here is if he can carve out a role similar to what we've seen Curtis Samuel do in Carolina, where he can go out and catch the ball, but if you want to bring him in to, to be a part of the running game, he has those traits, he has that ability. Not saying he's going to be Curtis Samuel in year one, but that's the kind of you know, flexibility you're looking for. Sure, and if you look at a Curtis Samuel from this year, if you look at even like a J.D. McKissick and the way he was used, I mean, as – there, the types of style of this, the things that this player can do really well has proven in recent years, they can be a flex fantasy option for you. Mm -hmm. If you played McKissick, you played Curtis Samuel. Again, he's not those players necessarily, but we're talking about the type of production and the way that they are used. We are seeing NFL offenses manufacture touches for a lot of guys like this, and it's only going to continue depending on where he lands. So if you're looking for a deeper spot, Again, you're looking at running backs are they're scarce, whether it's dynasty, whether it's redraft, whether it's rookie, whatever it is, it's a scarce position The the cheat code it's, and this is not quite a play Taysom Hill at tight end cheat code, but having him, if he's dual out or playing Jalen Samuels, a tight end cheat code of, of on Yahoo from a few years back, yeah. but it would still be big if he's wide receiver RB eligible and he starts to carve out a role in offense in year two and year three. I mean, most, most years, you'll be pretty happy playing the 40th best wide receiver in a flex spot. 
especially if he's a running back. And if he's your RB3, you'd be thrilled with that. Jake, if, who, again, uh, that comes out. Jake, who makes uh, your running back list here? We've, we talked about him briefly because he's on my extras from the Dynasty stuff. Kylan Hill from Mississippi State, I absolutely freaking love, man. I think he's going to be a three-down star in the NFL, and it might take a year, but I think immediately he's a third-down freak pass-catching guy. But he's got the ability and the size, the power, to really be a three-down back to earn that. Went through multiple coaches at Mississippi State, ended up opting out halfway through the year, but was really good early in a crazy pass-heavy scheme. I think got better as a pass catcher. Uh, I, I just I love the body type. I love how naturally he catches the ball. Love the run after the catch ability. And I think immediately as a rookie, he could be a sleeper. I don't know where he's going to get drafted. He's, he's ranked pretty high. When you get in these running backs, that could end up being the third round. This draft is loaded with other stuff. Uh, but I think somebody's going to get up. It, it, and we should probably preface a lot of this with system fit, right? All these guys we're going to talk about, it depends on which system, which coaching staff they end up with. But you end up, you know, he ends up in a place, we keep saying this, but a guy like Tom Brady that loves to throw it to the running backs, they got a little, you know, not as much late in the year. But one of those systems where the running backs first and second down, they switch it out to third, he's going to be a freak. Jamie, your, uh, any other names on your running back list? A couple other ones. One, I think Jamar Jefferson is interesting as well, uh, coming out of Oregon State. Great change of direction. He's got good acceleration, has that long speed. He's had some big runs. Wasn't used a ton in the passing game, so you want to see if, you know, he's shown signs that he can be successful there, but can he actually do it at the next level? Uh, he do just finds yards. Like, he finds yards in any opportunity he gets, but he's not very disciplined as a runner. And I think that's one of those ones where he's going to take some time for him to kind of grow into the role. He's not going to step into a spot where he's going to be featured right away or even probably not even a 1B right away. But if he can grow into that role, become a more disciplined and patient runner and use all that skill set with a little bit more knowledge of, where, of when to hit the holes, when to make these moves, when not to, he's somebody that I think is looking deeper down the road, two, three years, could be somebody that is can be an explosive player for you and be in that flex conversation. So he needs some polish, as a lot of these guys are. You know, We're not talking about first-round prospects at this point. So some of these guys are going to need some polish. They're going to need some time to come in, especially these running backs. You're always going to be kind of working your way through some part of a committee. But if he can put it all together, I think he's a guy that I will keep a close eye on. Maybe not this year in redraft, but if you're talking two or three years from now, of maybe somebody that can kind of be one of those traditional sleepers a few years down the road, he's, he's a guy I got my eye on. Jake, we want to go. Do we want to go like give you a few here, or are we going back one and one? Let's go back and let's ping pong. Let's go back and okay. forth here. I'm gonna throw out Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. Production translates to the NFL if you're big enough. Like some of these guys are just tiny, and they were still monster production guys at small schools, and it still translates. This dude put up numbers, like massive, massive numbers. A little bit limited in the passing games that have to develop there. I think he's gonna get with the right system and the right coach. He's going to play for 10 or 12 years. He's got that kind of potential. I'm not sure that it will be a true starter anytime soon, but I think he's one of those guys that could take over that role. Doug Martin, right? A couple monster years as a starter, but played a long time. A uh, little bit, I think he's a little, probably a little bit bigger than that, but production translates from the running back position, running between the tackles. This guy put up monster numbers. I really like it. One other one, Chris, that I like a lot. And he's somebody that I don't know – what his future roles will end up being. But if I want to take a flyer, and again, as you know, I kind of lean toward these guys that can play on third down and pass catching guys. This is not one of them right now. So this is kind of antithetical to the points that I usually make. But I love how we can be both physical as a runner, but elusive enough to make guys miss. I think he can be a really solid committee guy that can play on first and second downs and kind of be that like 
the high-end bench option, maybe a, a second flex for you down the road. That's Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma. Damn it. There I you go. You were going as you were describing him. I should have I, I was just like, I, I – I just, I knew there's it. something there's something about him. He's a there's freak. just some there's something about him that goes, I know he it's gonna take a, a while for him to get on for third downs in the NFL. It, it's going to because he's just that's not the area of his game. But you know what? He can be just he's just such a fun player to watch. He's physical, he's he he's got all the tools to succeed, at least at what we know right now, based on traits to succeed at the NFL level, at least for a couple downs. If he's the one A in a committee, which again, by the way, is not a dirty word anymore. This is where the NFL is going. It, it period end of story. We have to realize that as we talk about these running backs, there aren't, there are very few just guys that are like, we're running the whole, we're, we're Christian McCaffrey and the whole offense through them. They're just, they're not many people like that. Stevenson's a guy I'm really intrigued about because I think there's an opportunity there for him to have a lot of success. And if he has, if he develops any sort of opportunity to catch the ball a little bit more down the road, you're looking at somebody that can be, a starting running back for you in fantasy. Like, I mean, you're really looking at that value. So he's a guy I like a lot. It might take a little while to get there and he might kind of top out at that high, you know, that second flex role, especially if he's taken off the field a lot, but you want to talk about upside. He's a guy that really nobody's talking about right now in the fantasy community. At least that I have heard. Uh, I don't want to be one of those guys. Nobody's talking about him just because I haven't heard it, but he's a guy I like a lot. Uh, someone mm -hmm. to keep a real close eye on, not in reject, but in dynasty, I would, I would put that, check that little star next to him and make sure you find a way to get him at some point on your team. Jake, are you a fan? Are you a fan of what I Jake, am a oh, huge, okay. huge fan. And nobody is talking about this kid. Nobody that we evaluate anymore pops in my mind and go, he runs angry like Earl Campbell. That's not my comparison, but that's his running style. This dude runs pissed off. Somebody's going to get a steal. And one thing we don't get into on this show is the reasons that he was had off non-football related issues while he yep. was there, right? Or the production would have been so much more. This dude is a monster. But not only does he run forward, north-south, like Earl Campbell being pissed off, physical, which you don't see anymore, he's got lateral stuff. He's shifty enough to make guys miss. I freaking love him. If he would have played a full season, two couple full seasons without having some of this off-the-field stuff, I think you're talking about a first-round potential guy because I think the development in the passing game Jamie's talking about would have already been there. I absolutely love this dude. Every time you watch Oklahoma, he flies off the screen every single time. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Uh, anybody else on your list? I know Jamie kind of stole your thunder there, Jake, but so your list, anybody else? I'm going to throw – well, yes. So Chuba Hubbard we talked about. Okay, I was going to bring him up because you guys had gone a really long time without discussing. Well, I brought him up before. He's absolute. I think he's going mid-second round. I think he's, gonna, he's starting to fly up boards now. He's getting more and more love. He's a true three-down star. I think he's going to be a starter for the right team now in year one. I damn sure think he is in year two. His entire thing is staying healthy. Can he stay healthy? He stays healthy. He's an absolute freak. He's a home run hitter. He, he fits in every system. It doesn't really matter. He's going to be a stud. The other one I threw out there that's question mark, but I like him enough, is Trey Sermon on the right team. Big, physical. Right now, I say lacking in the passing game. Has to develop that, or he's going to end up being just a committee guy. But that committee dude is pretty damn powerful, pretty explosive himself, a guy worth paying attention to and just kind of seeing where it falls. I'm not sure, I, you know, draft-wise, it could be late, uh, mid to late, but I like him. He, he was really explosive in the playoffs. He got better as the season went on. Uh, somebody to pay attention to. He's like a guy things. I'd love to see live, Jamie, because I'd love to see him yes. catch live. Yes. That's the thing, too. on tape until, like, even just playing catch with a guy on the sidelines. Is he catching it? Like, you – I just want to see his hands on the ball. And then I go, okay, I can develop that. Or is it like Christian Okoye, not, not happening. Yeah. Right? Like well, it's, yeah. It's, he's fighting no the ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I'll, I would I would say those two names that you just mentioned, Jake, were two names I were gonna I was gonna bring up if you guys didn't get to them because I wanted yeah. to get your guys' thoughts on both of those players because I think they they very much fit into the category of, of player that Although, we're talking. Although I will here. say, Chris, I think Chuba Hubbard's becoming like the wide awake sleeper, which is that everybody it's everybody's sleeper now. I think yeah. people are finally gonna they're coming back around. They're going back it, to his junior year, going yeah, yeah, yeah when he was just a stud. For, yeah, when yeah. he was a stud. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Guys get okay. forgotten, especially when they haven't played for a minute. Like pretty much everybody but Jamar. Chase has gotten forgotten that has opted out for a minute like it, it really it's been like that so we're going to start to see over when we get to what eight weeks less than eight weeks now to the draft we're going to start to see people go oh yeah now we remember the player that they were let's transition now wide receiver position Jake I'll let you go first Jamie kind of stole your thunder in the running back position so I'll let you go first maybe you can steal his thunder at some point so uh we'll ping pong back and forth once again the wide receiver position rookie sleeper Jalen Darden North Texas I think he has the potential to be a number one in the NFL. He has everything. Small school, not the greatest competition in the world. I know that conference very well. I played in that conference. Uh, smaller DBs, I'd love, I would have loved to have seen him in the SEC, playing some SEC DBs, that kind of thing. Playing schemes like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are going to run against him. Size, explosiveness, catch radius, freakish stuff on tape, big-time numbers. I think he's a stud. I think he has an immediate impact. Kind of like Mooney had on the Bears, but without being that explosive, right? Yep. Like he's a more wild, more well-rounded receiver than Mooney. He doesn't have that top-end speed, but that kind of impact as a rookie that I think could end up turning into what I think Mooney could turn into with the Bears is maybe being a number one here pretty soon. Uh, but I love this kid. He's an absolute stud. Yeah, I love that as well. I, I think if we're looking for redraft, if there's a player that gets drafted on day three that's most likely to make it onto your roster at some point, it's probably Darden. Like, I mean, just where he, where he's projected to go system fit, uh -huh. but I think he fits a yeah. lot of systems. When you're talking about a guy that's a DeAndre Hopkins, not, these are not comps. I'm just saying like that kind of guy that does everything with a catch radius size can go deep, can do all that stuff. I, I think he fits almost every team. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, I'm going to go with one here and I'm going to go with a guy. I don't think has a, a super high ceiling, but I like his high floor. And I think his ability to maybe make an impact in year one, and he can be in a lot of fantasy lineups. And it, it's Amari Rogers. I got to see him up close and personal down in, in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you got to go first, Jake. So sorry, I got to steal your thunder there, but I got to see sorry. him up close and personal, um, you know, catching balls from Kellen Mond and Jeff George Jr. And company down there. He's got reliable hands. He's physical. And when you, when you, people say he's built like a running back, they ain't lying. I mean, he, he is thick. Like, he does not look like your traditional wide receiver out there. Uh, I, he, I think he has a chance to be that fan, fantasy kind of accumulator, that slot option that gets a lot of targets, manufactured touches. I think he could – I already brought it up on the show a couple of weeks ago. I think he'd be an awesome fit in a place like Baltimore, a team that wants to throw the ball – that throws the ball over the middle of the field more than any other team in the NFL, needs a reliable option in that spot. He's a guy that I look at that could be a, you know, a fantasy player for you in year one. He's not going to have – I don't think he's going to have, like, wide receiver one fantasy upside at any point. Like, we've talked about the guys on, on the show the last couple of weeks. But I think he could be somebody that can be a contributor for your team for a while. And a guy that you look up at the end of the season, you go, you know what, man, he, you know what? He made a pretty damn good impact for that team that he was on, both fantasy and real life. Uh, I, I came away pretty impressed with him down in Fort Lauderdale when I got to see him up close for the first time. Debo Samuel, tight player, more built like LaVisca Chenault. I'd love to see Baltimore come out if they had enough weapons. Two tight ends, but split out, like almost a five-wide package. He's one of them. You can motion him back in and run the read option with the field spread, right? That, he's that kind of player that can that could do all those things that Chenault and Debo Samuel do. I absolutely love him. Took him a while to have the production at Clemson. 
And I still think he's probably kind of raw because he came in as a running back and transitioned out there and they had to play it outside at sometimes. So like to go with that size to play outside, I think he's got a lot of upside. I agree there as he develops with the right system and the right coach. Jake, you got anybody else in your list you want to talk about? Of course I do. Jamie, I was just waiting Jamie, for the host to well, bring it back hosting, to me. Chris. You're well, the, you're, I, you're I didn't want to steal your thunder and throw a name out there because I'm gonna, everyone's been stealing your thunder on the show. I'm going to throw some names out there just because I wanted to say the names. Amonra St. Brown, the brother of Equinamius St. Brown from yeah. USC. I think he's more well-rounded than his brother. I'm intrigued. This is a brilliant family of freakish genetics. This kid is fluent in Spanish – or excuse me, German – French, English, took the SAT in all three, and his highest score was in freaking German. He speaks to his mom in German. Like, I, I love this, the extra brain power that we're getting with this physical freak talent here. Uh, his brother has the drops, but is open a lot in the NFL, and is a big, pretty son of a gun. I always talk about guys getting off the bus, and you go, whoa, or guys you see in person walking down the hotel. He's another one of these guys, extremely well-spoken. I think he's going to kill the interview process when he gets with these, some of these teams. Uh, I'm intrigued. I'm not really sure fantasy-wise where this fits. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to go somewhere, the right coaching, the right fit, has an opportunity and probably takes advantage of it. But as a guy, I wanted to throw out there because I want to say him and his brother's name. But uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really intrigued. But coming out of USC, being another one of those guys at that level that stood up and made a ton of plays, I, I like him enough to say that I'm really intrigued to see where he goes. As am I. Uh, I. I think he's a very intriguing prospect from a program that's put a lot of really strong NFL receivers into the league recently. So – uh, and I think he's going to be an interesting one to kind of watch with him. Uh, another name that I like a lot, I, I think this one I kind of went with, there's maybe some dynasty value, but I think if you're kind of looking for a sneaky potential guy that you can maybe plug and play, maybe in best ball leagues or as somebody to kind of keep on waiver wire speed dial and we draft is Nico Collins. Cause I think his red zone ability, it, it, Chris you're, is shaking. You're just, you're just so good shaking. at this, man. You just steal everybody's it's thunder. Shaking your fist at me. I just his potential red zone production. I think if you're looking for a player that, again, I, I don't expect him to get like 50 catches or anything like that in year one, but guy that can be looked to in the red zone, he can get vertical. He's got strong ball skills. I don't think he is his full comp, his full skill set was on display with the quarterback situation at Michigan. He's somebody that I think can be a very interesting player for a team that, you know, maybe isn't getting a lot of work, but maybe can get you five, six, seven touchdowns this year uh, if, if, if he's used in the right situation. So uh, that's high. That's a high estimate. I'm not, I'm not predicting that. I'm not projecting that. But it's something that we can look at his upside and say, he could be really interesting to me. Uh, so that's a guy that I look to in redraft. It's more of a waiver wire speed dial to see how, where he goes, how is he getting used. Because if he goes to a team where he could be the primary red zone target, there's going to be a certain weeks where he's going to get you into double digits. It might be a little bit sporadic, but if you're in a really deep format and you kind of need a flyer or cheap DFS option, whatever it is, kind of put Nico Collins on your radar. I'm going to give you a kid that's on the radar. He's from the same state. I'm going to give you a crazy ass comp. And I'm going to say, I'm intrigued that I want to get some tape and do a deep dive here. I think this kid is going to make some serious noise. Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, Antonio Brown, type player from the same kind of school, 5'9"-ish, crazy quick feet, explosive in space, kick returner type, undersized guy that has this crazy attitude that he plays with. He reminds me of Antonio Brown coming out that was late. The same year we drafted Emmanuel Sanders in the third, Antonio Brown won, I think, in the sixth, right? Whatever it was, maybe the fifth. Uh, ends up being the better player. 
more explosive player, works his ass off, and the size didn't matter. This kid kind of reminds – I'm not saying that, again, these aren't the comps. Just the first person that comes to mind when I see this and watch this. I want to watch more tape on this kid. I think somebody's going to get a freaking steal. I'll go throw out another name just to yeah, – Go ahead. You're still, you're still more of my name, so go sure. ahead. Uh, I'm going to go with a kid out of Iowa, Amir Smith-Marset. Uh, speed, speed, speed. And I think if you're going to take some flyers on these guys, he can be a rack monster – guy you can manufacture touches to, home run hitter. Uh, I want to kind of see how he, how he develops. It's going to be a more of a longer-term thing. I don't think he's going to make much of a year-one impact. But if I want to take a shot on a guy that could be that dynamic playmaker, home run threat for your fantasy team down the road, whether it's in a dynasty regular format or dynasty best ball, uh, I want to take a chance on him. Because I, just, I think he's got some of those auxiliary skill sets that some of these other receivers don't have. And I think when speed's at a premium, uh, I've seen him make some really, really strong plays there. Uh, in Iowa, I think in the right system with the right quarterback and the right offense, where he's given the opportunity to go downfield and kind of get and kind of really work those those deep routes, or they manufacture those touches for him, uh, which I think he could be really strong in that scenario. He's someone that I could see, you know, flirting with that top fifty wide receiver mark at some point down the road, where he's going to have those spike games. He might have some of those valleys as well, but I, I'm I'm intrigued by him. He's somebody I also want to watch a little bit more and see what, where he's, he fits it ultimately. But he's more of the, the dynasty longer-term play. I don't think you're going to get much of a year-one impact at all. Anybody else, Jake, on your list? Speed always translates, Jamie. Like, this is the one like Darnell Mooney was late, but we all loved him coming at Tulane. Speed translates. Now, it might be yep. hit or miss, right? It might be J.J. Nelson, three catches for 130 and two touchdowns, and then nothing for a couple weeks. Um, I mentioned it before, but I'll throw him out again. Is, is Diami Brown from, from North Carolina. I'm not a big fan of these Percy Harvin type guys, but the NFL seems to have more of them and more of this stuff where they're using these guys in space and these playmakers that can do a lot of different things. He's another one of them that I really like. You know, we go back to Amari Rogers. I'd love to see him with Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Jones is gone, I'd love to see them get a little bit creative with, okay, they're going to go big power back with AJ Dillon, have Jamal Williams, but have Amari Rogers and Jamal Williams on the field together in a third down situation, like a real slot guy, the run after the catch guy, that would be awesome. Uh, but Diami Brown, I like. I, I think he does a lot of different stuff. I love his attitude. Love that he played in bowl game. And the rest of those guys were sitting uh, and kind of showed out a little bit. Jamie, do you have anybody else or can I bring up a name? I do have one more guy. Oh, great. Uh, and it, it's, it's one that I'm intrigued by. And, and I think people are going to think he's going to make a bigger early impact. I want to see him more long-term. And that's Tylen Wallace. I love what he can do on 50-50 balls. Got great ball skills. He's got the big playability. But I want, he's going to have to be more versatile. Like he was a right side of the field only guy at Oklahoma State. He's going to have to learn to be a little bit more dynamic if he's going to get on the field more. He's just, he's just got to be, I don't know, he's like, he's not a burner, but he's got sufficient speed. So I kind of want to see what he looks like in pads against well, NFL. I'm going to throw, throw out a name, Jamie Tyrell Williams. Yeah. Like he can, I can see that. I think he can develop into that. I almost wrote I him can down. See that. But I, I said the same thing. Like, I, he's not well-rounded enough for me yet to say, I'm going to put him on this list. I like him. And there's some big-time plays. But as you're describing him, the first thing that pops in my head, Tyrell Williams. Like, deep threat-ish, but not really a burner, but big enough. A lot of 50-50 balls he catches. Yep. Uh, I, I like him, but he's got some serious development. So if he gets there down the road, I think that – because if you, if you remember looking back, like, Tyrell Williams, for example, a couple of years ago, was at least – was on your roster. He was very rosterable. He was – more of like a wide receiver four, wide receiver five, but he was worthy of being on your team. 
I think if you're looking long-term, Tyler Wallace can kind of be in that spot as well. So he's, he's just another guy that's kind of in the back of my head. There are a lot of these receivers that I'm, I'm intrigued by this year. It's a little bit harder for me to come up with a running back side, but Chris, who else on the receiver side? Who, do, who did we not steal from you so no, far? I, I, I just want to ask about two guys that you saw in person over, over okay. the weekend. I would like to ask you about Brandon Smith out of Iowa and Sage Surratt. Those are the two guys that I just would like your thoughts Sage on. Sage Surratt, for sure. I, I don't know if they make one. this conversation, but you just saw them. We opened the show talking about you being there. So yeah. two guys that were in, in, in the front of my mind because we were just there. Brandon Smith, he had, a, he had a really, really solid day overall until the 40 came, which was kind of been the knock on him is that he doesn't have that elite speed. Uh, what did he run? He looked, did he run sub 4-5? No. Well, it was 4-5-6. Oh, yeah. That's not – come on, man. The best receivers of all time all ran oh, well, between 4-5 and 4 Sure, but like – Well, those freaky, to... twitchy numbers, he kind, yes, of scares, for, he kind of scares me without yeah. watching more tape on him as a combine guy. That's my – like, but he looks the part. Like for lack of oh, another yeah. phrase, he absolutely looks the part. I got you know, the vertical jump, the broad. I mean, he looks like a physical freak. I want to just, you know, he, his speed wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong, but it was like compared to his other combine-ish numbers, it Your was like oh, you watch the dude run four two five to four five. That's six. true. Yeah, Blazin was like, eh, it's just okay. So to me, he's he's intriguing. Uh, I think you have to be in a pretty deep, deep, deep format for him to be even in consideration for dynasty. I don't know. Like some leagues will draft you know, a hundred of these rookies. Most of them don't usually have like a, like four or five rounds of, of rookie ball action, but not somebody that I think in that scenario where I, I'm going out of my way to take him. I would much rather take a Darden or an S or, or an Eskridge or some of those other guys that you kind of have that more peak upside. Sage Surratt I'm interested in as well. I just kind of want to see where he lands. I don't think he's quite the level of this list yet. Cause I do think it's going to be a little bit of a time before he can make an impact, but uh, both the Surratt's had a really interesting run down there. Um, I definitely say Chaz looks the part of the line. Like you could tell it's interesting because there was a, a real mix of a lot of different positions there. And there were, you know, for the handful of guys that were down there you could really tell the difference between position groups just by like looking at them. Like it was very, very obvious, but uh, you know, I'm intrigued by both those guys. I wouldn't say at this point until I see where their landing spots are that I, I would make a priority to kind of target them. All right, just with two, two names in my head I wanted to get out before maybe you stole them from me. I was trying to get ahead of the curve there uh, before we got out of here. Uh, so that is going to do it for us here, but I do want to tease before I let everybody uh, get out their socials and, and where everybody can find their content. Later on in the week, Wednesday, more rookie discussion. Remember those rookies at the top of the class that we talked about last week in the Dynasty format? We're going to revisit them and rank those rookies for redraft leagues and, uh, and kind of get into, and Jamie, I'm looking at the schedule that we put together here. We're also going to discuss rookies that will be affected the most by where they're drafted. That fit matters more than anything else. So that's what you can expect the remainder of this week. And then the following week, I don't know if everybody's heard, but free agency begins uh, next week. So there's going to be some craziness that's going to happen. We'll react to it here on the show. Uh, we'll come up with some topics as things happen. It's kind of up in the air because we don't know where guys are going to land, but you can assume that you're going to get a, a lot of free agency content the week after. So like I said, on the Wednesday edition, back to those rookies we talked about last week, looking at them from a redraft league perspective and talking about which rookies are, are, are very fit dependent. So now that that is all said and done, we know what's happening the rest of the week. Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Eisner Fantasy on Instagram. Jake, your, uh, your T-shirt today matches the color of Jamie's sunburn. I, I, it was a joke I wanted to get in a little earlier in the show. I didn't get a chance to, so I'm going to get it here to close the show. Where can everybody follow you on social media? Me and my coral-ish shirt, uh, Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Arians NFL on Instagram. 
You can always follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio. We will be back on Wednesday. Like I said, redraft league rookies rankings. We'll get into it all the remainder of the week. Everybody have a great start to your week. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.